Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather Kiros, and I'm the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry. And if you want to learn about Jesus from his Jewish context and get better at discipleship in the 21st century, this podcast is for you. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. friends, welcome back to the show. It's Heather here, and I have a super special guest on today. Dr. Kara Powell from the Fuller Youth Institute is on the podcast this week and next. So welcome to the show, Dr. Powell, or Kara, as I've been uh, told to call you. Yes, yes to the show. I would I would far prefer you call me Kara. So yeah. great, great to be with you, Heather. Yeah, thank you. And um, just really appreciate your work and what you do for the youth ministry community. I know myself and many, 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 many others have benefited from your work and just a air high five for being a woman in youth ministry too. Whoop, whoop. So great. So great. So I thought it'd be fun just kind of real quickly, just kind of break the audi- uh, ice with our audience to share something people might not know about you. Well, since it's the fall, what comes to my mind first is I'm a pretty big fan of football. I grew up in San Diego, uh, got to go to a number of San Diego Charger games. Now they're in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. which is where I live. So I'm still rooting for the Chargers, which means I'm used to disappointment uh, because (laughs) of how my team does. So I love watching games. That's great. That's great. And, um, And I learned actually in a previous conversation with you that you are the type of person who gets up and yells at the TV and gets all sorts of animated and stressed out. And that it's probably not a great idea that your Sabbath would be on a Sunday because of the Chargers games. Totally. Yeah. I've actually, (laughs) in fact, I was just telling my husband a week or two ago, like I I think while I uh, Charger games are my priority, I actually think I enjoy other games more because they're not so stressful for me where the Charger game is stressful. And again, disappointment after disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Well, if you're Charger, if you're a Charger fan out there, definitely send me a message and um, you can have a deep connection with Kara in that way of the disappointment that you deal with on a weekly basis. Yes, exactly. But today, uh, I wanted to have a conversation on community. And uh, within your book, I, I love this book that you wrote a few years ago, um, Growing Young, Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and Love Your Church. And within that book, you talked about how young people kept saying that a warm community is what helped them stay connected to their faith yeah. into adulthood. And you know, as I was putting my book together, First Century Youth Ministry, I, t- I looked at some of those key concepts in growing young and saw that there was much, much, much correlation with what we saw alive and evident in the first century life of Jesus, which was community, which was deeply and is deeply embedded into the life of a Jew. It's just a part of who they are and they don't speak on in individual ways. It's always in light of their community. And so I thought it would be fun for our listeners to just kind of have a little bit of a further conversation with you about that. And some of those things uh, from your book, if friends have not read that book, y'all pick that up right now and go read that book. It is a great, great, great book uh, that Kara and others put together. So, um, so first things first, um, what are some of the stories that you can share from churches who are feeling a warm community for today's young people. I know that you talk to many people and have some great stories to share. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first one that comes to mind, just the power of warmth mm-hmm. uh, was from a church in Pennsylvania. 
And we visited the church because it was a church that was growing young and not just aging or shrinking, but doing amazing work with young people. And before we visited it, uh, we did a bunch of interviews with young Mm. people, teenagers, college students, young adults. And they all kept talking about how great Bill was um, and how teenagers talked about how Bill showed up and sat on the bleachers when they were, you know, in basketball games or swim meets, whatever it might be. Uh, Young adults talked about how Bill showed up at their workplaces and took them out for coffee. And our team thought, man, we want to meet Bill. He seems amazing. So the research team gets to this church in Pennsylvania, and it turns out that Bill is over 70 years old. That's awesome. um, And he remembers an adolescence where no one was sitting on Mm -hmm. the stands and cheering him on. And so he's decided that that's not going to be true for the young people at his church. Wow. That he's not only going to be in the stands, but he's going to mobilize other adults. And in fact, he told us, um, you know, I've even like written up a one page description of what I do. And uh, so that I can invite other adults, especially senior adults, to show up in kids and young people's lives also. So he said, wow, that'd be awesome. That sounds awesome, Bill. Can you send us a copy of it? And so Bill said, sure. And he ended up faxing it to us from the local public library. That's so seven-year-old person to do this. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) And, you know, so so to me, Bill exemplifies a principle in our research about community that when it comes to young people, warm is the new cool. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, Bill's not cool. I'm not cool. In fact, my own teenage children, like somewhere they're just shuddering because they think the way that I said cool betrays that I am not cool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, for those who are cool, awesome. You just keep being your cool self. But for the rest of us, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got Bill as an example where warm, warm is what wins the day, not cool with young people. Absolutely. You know, I actually wrote in my book in chapter nine, I talked about community and I talked about uh, in actually uniting the generations. And one of my stories was about the most, one of the most loved youth leaders at a friend's church of mine, whose name was Ray. And he was 92 years old. Wow. Kara, 92 years old. And he 92. was the most loved youth leader by the kids at his church, because again, he had warmth. He wow. showed the kids he cared. He was available. He prayed for them. You know, I got to meet this man and he said, he's like, Heather, I don't have what all the other, you know, young people have. I don't know how to use a smartphone, but I have love and I have time and I show kids that I care. So let's all be like Bill and Ray. Yes, absolutely. Those are two great heroes. Absolutely. Awesome. So, you know, in your book, you wrote in churches growing young, um, warmth Trump's programs and kind of going a little bit further in what you just said, um, how can a deprogramming strategy actually help a youth ministry create a warmer community? You know, I think in the youth ministry community, we think, well, I just need to do more. I need to make more time for more connections with kids. And there's such busy calendars with such little warmth and connection. Yeah. Well, and my answer to this question might've been different uh, three years ago, pre-pandemic. But at this stage, however we want to define, you know, whatever post-pandemic stage that we're in, we're hearing from a lot of churches, honestly, most churches, that uh, young people aren't showing up like they used to. You know, the typical church that we encounter is down somewhere around 30, 40 uh, percent yeah. in worship attendance and youth group attendance. 
Um, sometimes some of those people are checking out online, but not everyone is. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is a time for us as leaders to really prayerfully discern how do we best form faith in the season. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm both convicted and inspired by some research from Springtide Research Institute that looked at about 2013 to 25 year olds a year into the pandemic where across the U.S. Uh, of these 13 to 25-year-olds, vast nationwide sample, only 10% had heard from any faith leader in the first year of the pandemic. Um, that's any faith leader, not just Christian faith, but Jewish, Mormon, Islamic. Wow. Only 10%, um, which, you know, when I share that to a room of youth leaders, like they normally groan. I mean, that's, that's so demoralizing and frustrating. But I'm an optimist, so here's the good news, that 70% of the young people in that same sample expressed an interest in deeper relationship right now. Okay. So I really feel like, we really feel like now is a divine opportunity for us as adults to build relationships with young people who are open to warmth. They, they don't necessarily want a new program, yeah. but they want a deeper conversation. Um, okay. and, and so I think, I think this is a golden window for us to do some experiments, see what works in terms of building relationships, what doesn't, mm. uh, and get students input even in that whole process. So yeah. while this can be a demoralizing time for a lot of leaders, I think it also carries, carries a lot of latent hope in it also. Yeah, that's really cool. So what do you, what would you suggest that would be a great first step for a youth ministry that wants to move from uh, cool to warm. So yeah. To speak. Well, what we find we've, we've worked with hundreds of churches, you know, whatever it might be, get students input, ask them their experiences. You know, I would say, ask them, what about your ministry or your church feels warm? What doesn't feel warm? Yeah. What feels warm or not warm to a guest? What feels warm or not warm to an introvert? What feels warm or not warm warm to someone who's been there a long time? Mm -hmm. And really listen to your young people because yeah. a, a lot of times they have, well, I would say most of the time, they have the best wisdom yeah. uh, because it's about them. So, mm. you know, I would say don't act, listen first. Yeah. Um, and then act once you've really understood and have paid attention to the losses and longings of young people. That's really good because they are the experts in knowing if they're, if they're experiencing love <coughs> or if they're experiencing uh, a bit of coldness from the community that they're a part of. Absolutely. That's yeah, really good. For sure. So how does a youth ministry, in your opinion, how does a youth ministry move from a youth ministry to a more of a youth family, a youth community, if you will? Yeah. So once you've listened then yeah. I, you know, a, a couple of the steps that we've found that are found that are really helpful are number one, start with experiments. Hmm. So, you know, you don't necessarily make an announcement and say, okay, we're going to change everything. And here are the three things we're going to do now. Um, be more subtle than that. You know, start with an experiment <laughs> in a small group. Uh, try a different sharing process in your overall youth ministry. Like, you know, there's a there's a, a theme in innovation that it's important to 
plant a lot of seeds and see what takes root. Yeah. And so, you know, empower your whole team, your volunteers, your small group leaders, Mm -hmm. like what are some experiments we can do to create a deeper sense of belonging? That's Um, right. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that that's really good because, you know, youth ministry, sometimes we can get stuck in a rut of, okay, we did announcements, we did some worship, we did a message, we did small groups, and we almost make it this cookie cutter thing that yeah. sometimes we get afraid to go outside the box yeah. and say, maybe we should just kick the message. Maybe we should just kick the worship time for a minute. Maybe we should just all go out to white. Or you don't know what Whitey's is. It's this really popular ice cream place in my town. Right. And so maybe we should all just go get ice cream that night. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. And so I think, I think that's wise to say, see what sticks, try and expand yeah. it, try something yeah. new. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would say is that we, as leaders, we often set the temperature of vulnerability. Oh, we, yeah. we set the depth of vulnerability. So I grew up swimming. Not only did I grow up watching the chargers, but I grew up swimming. <laughs> and so I think about a swimming pool yeah. And how deep are we willing to go in our own sharing mm-hmm. um, about our own life? Now, we're adults and they're teenagers. And yeah. so, you know, we don't want to emotionally vomit on our yes. kids. But I think this is this is a great uh, area for us to get wisdom of mm-hmm. other sharp adults, other volunteers, people who are connected to our ministry and ask like, how am, how am I doing in my sharing and mm. how I talk about myself in creating a warm community? Yeah. Am I, am I protecting myself too much? Am I sharing too much such that it's almost awkward? Um, I think most of us lean toward the first error that we don't quite share enough, but some of us will overshare. And so, you know, that's one of those areas where it's so helpful to get a few trusted advisors perspective Mm -hmm. on how am I doing on that? Because the tone that we set, the tone that we set becomes often becomes the tone for the whole ministry. You're so right on that. Years ago, I had some friends in Christ call me out. They told me I was shallow and they came across as holier than thou Mm. and that I didn't feel approachable to kids because of that. Yeah. And, um, so that just punched me in the face and it was so wild because I was doing a fall retreat like the next week and my messages were going to be on counterfeit about how we can be like a counterfeit Christian. We can have a face and then we live a different life. And I was like, totally planning on calling the kids out on being a counterfeit, you know? And then it was like, literally my whole first message was the real counterfeit is me. Like I've I've done it wrong. I'm so sorry. And I want to do better. I want to live a more transparent in real life before you guys. And Kara, that was a changing day for my youth ministry. I'm not kidding. Like everything changed. And uh, my youth ministry went from shallow to kids were sharing their deepest and darkest wow. hurts and struggles and pains. Yeah. And they were coming to Jesus and they yeah. were experiencing real, real, real uh, life and a real place to be themselves. And yeah. that was, you're so right on that. And that's such an encouragement for youth leaders out there to be appropriately vulnerable and transparent yeah. with your kids. And that it really does set the tone for your whole ministry. Yeah. Well, and I think you you illustrated another wonderful principle of community and I would say ministry in general is that as youth leaders, it's not just about what God is doing through us, but what mm-hmm. God is doing in us. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, in the midst of you preparing this retreat on counterfeit, like how good of the Holy Spirit's timing um, to bring this to your attention through yeah. some people that you must have trusted yeah. and for you to continue to grow in your own journey with Jesus. So, I mean, that's where it, it I mean, I, it, youth ministry, one of the great joys is not only seeing God change young people, but yeah. seeing God change us in the process. Story. That is so true. That's so true. And it keeps you, it helps you stay accountable and humble too, when you're involved in the lives of these young people and, and doing your best to love them towards Jesus. And so, so Kara, this has been a fun conversation. We're going to wrap it up so that we can have a really fun conversation for next week. And so be encouraged by today, Uh, go out and live an appropriately transparent and vulnerable life before your kids and recognize that warmth trumps cool. And so you old youth leader out there, 40, 50 year old, you're killing it because you can be warm to your kids and that's what they're really after. And so, um, anything that you guys are working on at the Fuller Youth Institute that you want to share about Kara or ways that people can connect with you? Yeah, I would love to, uh, we are writing actually this week, working on this month, working on our next book, uh, which is based on some research we've done on character development and Hmm. what we're calling faith beyond youth group. How do we help young people have a faith that makes a difference, not just an hour a week, but all seven days Um, and not just through high school, but for a lifetime. So that won't be coming out until uh, fall 2023, but we're doing the research Mm. and doing the writing now. That's so great. I'll be so looking forward to picking that one up when it comes out because that is so needed and important. And it's a conversation that everybody's having. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. And again, uh, just to remind everybody out there, check out that uh, first century youth ministry trip to Israel for next year and go to our website to get a little bit more information on that. I did tell Kara about the trip and she's going to pitch it to her family to see if they want to go. You Absolutely. Kara Powell might be on the trip with you. How ridiculously <laughs> awesome would that be? <laughs> You could talk about the Chargers with Kara Powell. Huh? That's right. That be? We we could share football and other sports <laughs> stories. Perfect. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>